Welcome back. Thank you for hanging out with us. Once again, this is the one and only IT in the D show. I'm your host, Bob Waltenspiel, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Randy Walker is out sick. Guest this week, Steve Panofsky from UBX Cloud. We're going to have some fun conversations. He goes back to the days when I started in this business, uh, talking about all the fun things like desktop as a service. We're going to, he has a thing and we're going to make fun of him about it, but that's all right. He says he makes backups cool, and I don't believe him. So we're, we'll mock him a little bit, but we're going to talk a little industry, a little old stuff, and, and what's coming, what's next uh, in, in the IT landscape. Should be a fun conversation. Find us online, itnd.com. Do us a favor. Give us a like on the social. Subscribe to us everywhere. Fine podcasts are sold. Uh, two out of two now. We got rained out at Nancy Whiskey downtown for our meetups. Check us out, meetup.com slash itnd. We got one more at Nancy's, and I think we're going to head back to Urban Rest. Uh, as soon as it gets a little bit colder, but uh, hopefully we'll be on the patio. Check us out, meetup.com slash IT in the D. Freaking love that bar. It's one of the top three bars. I just, I finally settled it now. Uh, after hanging out at Nemo's a couple times, uh, I haven't been there in ages. And uh, Nemo's Nancy Whiskey's two-way. That's like the the trifecta of uh, Detroit legendary bars. Love them. Um, Steve, how are they treating you, man? Pretty well. I was actually just thinking about... Uh what you just mentioned about the, uh, the drinking. Cause, uh, it's been 11 years for me and I'm kind of wanted to start back up based on the kind of work <laughs> that I've been doing. So the, I, I definitely don't want you to do that. And congrats. Um, no, no, on a social, on a social aspect, just social drink. Got it. Got so. it. Got it. No, we, uh, our tagline when we originally started this IT in the D was networking Detroit one beer at a time. So it's almost, uh, you know, and I usually take breaks every year. So people see me at these events and I'm like, drink, you know, I got to lie, drink the tonic and lime, you know what I mean? You know, so otherwise I'll get, I'll get, uh, crapped on. I'm looking at your origin, man. I think you got me beat by one year that you started. What was your, no, what was your, it was UBX cloud, but cloud wasn't a word then. What was your original name? Uh, UBIX technology solutions. Okay. Okay. UBIX. So and, that's, uh, uh, that's that's still our legal name, actually. Oh, no kidding. So that's one of the jokes. Uh, we had a, an internal talk today about AI, Gen AI. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the Gen AI jokes um, got old, um, we started talking about, please stop calling it Gen AI. And the whole point is, like, I remember when cloud was shared hosting or if it was a virtual private server and then became this thing cloud and everybody, you know, uh went a little nuts and granted gen ai is newer you know hasn't been around long but it was you know technically machine learning uh with some generative aspects but i'm like please don't just say hey we got gen ai and see what happens like we you know need to talk about business use cases or this thing doesn't work you know um how did what did you guys start or what what was the need that you were trying to fill or were you like these guys are doing it bad i want to do it better what was what was the uh the spark that got off the ground it uh it, it just it 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 was a passion. I mean, like, uh, before it was a business, it was a hobby. Right. So, um, I, uh, I spent the majority of my childhood with, uh, one of my childhood friends and we would, uh, meet up and talk all about computers on, on Friday at church. We had, a we had a event at church on, on the, on the weekends. And, um, we would get our hands on whatever like technical manuals, MS-DOS books. I mean, anything we can get our hands on, we would just talk about it all the time and trade, trade whatever we could. And, um, we developed a passion. I mean, uh, I was the first one to get my uh, Packard Bell, and it was like the most unreliable computer on the planet. Um, it like you know, it was a forty six SX. I, I actually still have it. It's in my uh, it's in my home office. It's uh, it's pretty old, but um, that's where it all started. I mean, that's where the passion happened. Uh, we would like spend the majority of my time, uh, me and my childhood friend uh, Igor, and uh, we would uh, just poke at it and just figure out how to how it how it worked. 
I, I was on a, I started on a C64. Whoa, and okay. my, all my other friends got Apple two. I think it was two E's or two C's. The green, the green screen apples. And it's funny how you know I was that was what thirty seven years ago, and we're still arguing Apple versus Android. And you know it's been going on my, literally my entire life. But yeah, I got my first IBM clone. <clears throat> I remember uh, my dad didn't want to shell out for the for the fast for the fifty six k modem, so I, got, I think I got a fourteen four uh on the dial up my first one was 300 baud i was the say if it was an amiga or commodore back in the day i don't think it was more than like 9600 yeah no this was yeah this was a little bit later when i think aol just started and i got the 14.4 randy you have no idea it was absolute hell on a 300 baud modem i talk about all the time reading ascii text i should send you a youtube video of, of booting up a bbs in commodore you would hate your life um so how do you so now you know, starting a long time ago and, and, you know, in old technologies, how do you determine what, what, what drives you to push new technologies as offerings? Is it, is, are your customers asking, are you, what are you trying to be visionaries? Are you seeing stuff? I guess, how do you go through that process? hundred percent. It was originally the customer. Um, yeah. So I, I actually served coffee at Romeo Computer Company. That was like my first real job in the industry. They had a coffee shop and um, uh, they did computer repair and they sold ISP accounts. It was quite the trifecta, which you just mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. And um, I love coffee. I love computers and I love repairing hardware. So it was like the coolest job. And everyone there was named Steve. So I just fit right in. Um, there was like five Steves. And uh, I was like, I was pretty young. I was in my teens. And um I, uh, I got a little taste of everything. Like, uh, you know, the ISP stuff really fascinated me. I got my tour of big nuts data center, um, through my, my mom was, a my mom worked at a restaurant and one of the customers worked at big net and he's like, Hey, let me take your son to the data center. Let me show you, let me show him. Cause he likes computers. Right. And I, I walked in there and I was like, I want to be in this for the rest of my life. I remember those TV commercials. They blew my mind. DSL is like 1995 a month. And it was like bignet.net. I, yep. I leader one, 1 800 leader one. Oh, that was, was, the, was that the number? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I know that just shows our age too, a little bit, but that was like, that was like the heyday, right? Like no one had, um, no one had internet. And if they did, um, you know, it was, well, they were, uh, everyone was sick of their mothers lifting their phones up while they were on a, <laughs> on a BBS and then it hanging up on you. You know, it's a hundred percent correct. Yeah. So now you got the dedicated line, like no more, you know, I remember my uh, cousin's phone would always be busy. We're like, will you go on your stupid computer at night or in the morning? You know, so you could answer your damn phone. Um, But yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. BBSs were like the start of it too. Like that, that was like a huge thing. I, there were so many people that I met on bulletin board systems in, um, you know, uh, Macomb, Oakland, Uh, pretty much everyone in those two uh, counties, you know, I'd spend like, you know, the majority of my time online uh, on those bulletin board systems, playing uh, door games, sending files, um, just kind of getting a, a feel for, you know, all the talent and all the cool stuff out there. And it's just funny to realize that, like, when you connect with people, it's like, hey, like, you're just as old as I am. Did you ever, like, uh, be on BBSs? And, like, you, like, they're real people that you connect with, mm-hmm. like, in the future. It's crazy. It was uh, my buddy downloaded a script kitty for uh, get free codes. For 18, oh, okay. AT&T employees when they were yeah. on pay phones. So we used it to call 248 BBS because we were in the 586. And, uh, oh, yeah, I got in trouble. Yeah, everything went in the garbage. I had to basically cry for six months, beg and plead, get all my gear back. <laughs> Swear I wouldn't do it anymore. You know, you're like, you're like zero cool from hackers, right? <laughs> like you got busted. No, my, so Randy's hates this story because I use it all the time. But my favorite thing was uh, on the old Commodore Pets. 
used to run stop. Did I talk about this with Caston last week, Randy? I'd hate if I double up on this story. Nothing um, wrong with Commodore Pets. Come on, man. No, no, no. But if you hit, if you jammed uh, control run tape. stop, control run stop like three times, uh, it opened up the code and whatever cassette you were running. So we would change all the words to potty words and then resave it. And then, yeah, like teachers would be like, how did this? How did you do it? Change it back. And we're, you know, snickering little 11 year old kids. Um, love those days. Yeah. It was so much simpler back then. And it really was. But now some of the stuff that like I did back then is like considered like interstate wire fraud now and like all these like other like federal <laughs> right, crimes. Right. Right. Exactly. So one of the things that intrigued me about like your product offerings, I saw like insider protection. And, you know, I talked last week with, with Cast and Thomas, we we're talking about identity protection, and everything, but I never really heard anybody phrase it as insider protection or a data protection. I've heard a different, but not that phrase. So I'm just curious to get your take on like what exactly is insider protection and why are you doing it? Sure, absolutely. Um, again, this kind of goes back to like the customers driving our uh, direction. So um, I never really you know, coming from the infrastructure and, uh, and, and the hosting space, right. Quote unquote, um, before it was cloud and before it was cool. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to get into the cyber aspect of any of this. It was kind of like kicking and screaming all the way there. And, um, part of the services that we provide is that we, um, at, at UBX, we, we kind of help manage service providers, productize cloud services. And as a result of that, we kind of need to become, uh, experts and, and very specialized in these systems. Um, and uh, with that came the very first Kaseya breach, um, the uh, the incident. And uh, I was the guy on on Reddit, like saying, like, "Oh my God! Like all these endpoints are getting encrypted. Like, is is this happening? And is this real? Like what I'm seeing right now? Because it was the first time that a, a threat actor was using a uh, managed service provider tool as a proxy to get to their clients. So after that event, we became like internet famous. And uh, it, it was pretty intense. It was pretty crazy. It was like 2016, I think. And uh, then I, our customers just demanded that, you know, well, we're experts in cloud. We have to be experts in cyber now. And um, they, they kind of pushed us into that area. And um, insider protection is just kind of a natural evolution of, of, of one of the, uh, the cybersecurity um, uh, integrations that we've included in our products, like desktop as a service, because um, the landscape is changing. Right. Like our profession is becoming a battleground. And uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, we have to kind of arm ourselves with these tools. And um, we're seeing I'm seeing crazy stuff like, uh, you know, I'm seeing uh, information gangs, um, you know, setting up um, employees to get hired in certain companies to exfiltrate data and then sell that data to the previous employee. You know, so they're on the salary of like two different companies' payrolls and they're just sending data back. How do you, see, how, how do you yeah. prevent that though? Because like when you hire someone, you pretty much give them the keys, especially mm-hmm. if you're giving them an administrator account or access to, you know, it depends on how high they are in the scale. How do you prevent that? That's That's a lot. Yeah, I I was uh, along the same fence, but when I was starting to see what was happening to some of these larger companies, and um, and we were getting called in, because uh, usually we get called in for like remediation, so we're like the, like this, like we're like the groundskeeper Willie of like Springfield, you know, like after like in the middle of the cyber incident, like they'll call us in to like mop the blood off the floor and like yeah, yeah. you know move the systems somewhere else or you know, set them up in our cloud, and um, the. Uh, you know, we're starting to get pulled into some of these other cases, and I'm like, "What the heck? This is crazy!" Like some of the, like, I, it's like I, it's something out of a novel, right? Like, um, so they're 
usually um, even entry level workers and and they'll get they'll get you know either paid in like bitcoin or you know they'll get they'll they'll get a good sum of money to like you know and, and they'll kind of do this like kgb spy thing where they're like okay you just get us like this one file or this one look in this location right and uh and send us the data and that, that's like your dead drop at like four in the morning right like you just send them over the files or send them over the information and um they're getting paid pretty handsome amounts for this stuff and um you know, from building up uh, false profiles for people to get hired uh, in a competitor's HR department to just outright, you know, stealing as much intellectual property as possible and just getting a plane to China and landing and just never going back to the U.S. again. Um, so the insider protection aspect was uh, was was uh, you know something that I, was rather new to me. I didn't even know that was like a category or like a thing in cyber. Um, most of the stuff that we dealt with was. Um, you know, perimeter protection, proper backups, proper DR, um, you know, proper architecture. And um, all of a sudden, you know, we're getting into the EDR space and we're logging everything and we're dumping everything into a seam. And we've got all this like, you know, all this packet inspection, you know, lateral movement stuff. And now we're like looking at human behavior, right? Not just not just systems and, and technology, but like, um, you know, what makes um, uh, an employee a risk inside of your company? And um yeah, it's just frightening. But uh, so I evaluated a couple of pieces of software out there, and um, they were all uh, there's only like three really like like key predominant ones in this area, and um, none of them really played well with our, our desktop as a service, right? Um, with our Citrix, um, uh, we call them cloud workspaces, but you know they're very resource intense. Um, they, they require a lot of infrastructure just to get the desktops and the sessions recording, and um, kind of like a cybersecurity seam, they're like ingesting all the um, behavior that people are doing on those systems. And then um, they're running that user behavior um, analytics. Um, they're storing all the metadata, all the keywords, all the websites they're going to, all the applications they're going to. And they it kind of establishes like what is a, um, a cadence of what normal behavior is for them. And then um, they associate a risk score with the employee based on their activities. So I, I use my my Susie Bad Girl analogy. Susie Bad Girl is always a you know always causing trouble, but Susie Bad Girl in accounting is a you know all of a sudden she's logging in uh, after hours and she's accessing applications that she's never accessed before or rarely access, and uh, you know her her risk store her risk score starts increasing, and um, you know there are security analysts. There's um, uh, you know I've even seen um, this get kind of handed either over to IT or over to the security teams or even in some larger companies they have dedicated risk managers. And risk teams that review this stuff and um they're looking at this and they're saying okay susie bad girl is a risk right uh, let's let's review the sessions and uh the software is like a uh the software is actually from ekron systems is the one that we're using um and they uh i like to say that it's just like a like a closed circuit television for for user behavior like it's just recording everything and um it, uh, we kind of fixed a lot of problems that they were having in their platform. Um, you know, one of the things was the enormous storage and infrastructure requirement to run it. Um, we, we've helped like optimize that because that was like one of the issues is that like, you know, the wide scale deployment of these solutions are really heavy and, uh, no one likes getting beat with the cloud stick, you know, from their provider and, uh, you know, having to pay, you know, if the, if the solution costs a hundred thousand dollars, that's great. But if to run it, it costs $300,000 a year, then that's kind of a problem. And, um, 
and, and that's where we kind of found that sweet spot is that we, we found a solution that worked well for our clients' needs and, um, you know, that we were able to kind of optimize uh, for that delivery platform. So I worked for a behavior analytics sim provider back in 17-ish, 17 Oh, wow. So, yeah, that hits home. Um, I used to, instead of uh, Susie, was it Susie Rottencrotch? I used to always use the... Uh, <laughs> Susie Rottencrotch. Whatever. Susie Bad Girl. It's Susie, Susie Bad, Bad Girl, Girl, sorry. I always used um, the Snowden, um, what he did. Yeah. And basically it was, yeah, he badged in at five in the morning to a building he's never been to, logged into a, a, a computer he's never had access to, switched over to a service account that he, you know, so it's basically, if you look at it from the old school log files, it was one plus one plus one plus one. But if you do all four of those together, it rings the, it rings the bell and it's a hundred. So yeah, that, that, I, that whole space is super intriguing to me. We're, uh, we're doing some projects now with uh, QA at auto floors, where it's like if they produce a manufacturer, like a, a, a washer, for example, it just runs it through and, you know, find it baselines the normal, it looks for the weird. They're doing it now with, um, with uh, lung cancer, um, where they're baselining normal, looking for weird. And it's millions and millions and millions of documents that they're, you know, looking for abnormalities. Um, the technology, you know, it's amazing how far the technologies come from even, you know, back then. It's funny, you were, talking about desktop as a service and i felt ueba at the time everyone would take a meeting with me but nobody was buying everyone you know (laughs) because it's like it's kind of like gen ai now you say gen ai they'll take a meeting but they're not buying you know they might eventually but um but like desktop as a service i remember uh that was like the new the hot the new hotness in 2001 and you go talk you know a couple people were like adopting it um but they still wanted to give their users freedom, so they would just put it as an icon on their de- on their actual desktop instead of what the purpose was to be to lock everybody down, and they didn't want to do that. Um, you know, that was pre cell phone, that was pre you know iPad. So you had to, you had to let them play Minesweeper at lunch break. You know what I mean? So uh, nobody was ready for it. I don't. I still think I still think that never got as adopted as it should have. I think for retail, like if you're an enterprise rent a car, it was a no brainer. Um, I still don't, I, I used to love that concept and I, I never thought, I thought it never took off the way it should have. I, 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 just like you mentioned, like you were, you were trying to sell it and and work on it in 2001 and we, we, we started a business trying to do that in 2008. Like no one was ready for it. And, and the ones that, that were, were great, but, um, you know, it was, it was very a niche product and we had the same, like, I don't know, like 25 customers for like six years. Right. Because it was, uh, you know, it was so niche and, um, our first customer was the one that was the one that kind of propelled us into that because they're like, Hey, like, uh, you know, I don't want my guys to be driving in from like, uh, Ohio and Northern Michigan and having to come in into the parking lot and like, you know, print drawings and, you know, do all this stuff. Can't you just make it so we can connect remotely? And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. You know, like <laughs> why not? Right. And, uh, same thing with like, you know, they're like, Hey, uh, we got like two cabinets full of Dell servers. Like, uh, don't you guys have like co-location? They can like put the stuff in, in, in the in data room. I'm like, yeah, I, we can do that. So right, we just, right. you know, but like, it was all like, uh, you know, it, it, it all just followed that path. And, uh, we, we have some really phenomenal customers. We've had the same customers for like almost 15 plus years. So it, it's been great to like kind of grow with them and, and evolve with them. And, um, and kind of get into these areas, right? Like I never thought I'd be like, you know, doing these user behavior um, things and putting cameras on everyone's endpoints and, and virtual desktops and everything else and servers and uh, like booby trapping, you know, putting like barbed wire around like uh, critical systems, but I'm doing it now because uh, you know, 
because uh, Ivan Ransomware over there is making a crap ton of money flipping businesses. Yeah, yeah. If you look at it now, like who would have thought with us coming up in the business together, who would have thought that Microsoft it would actually be considered an, a viable player in the security stack? It blows my mind. And I'll never forget when I had like a pretty prominent CISO say, oh, yeah, Defender's as good as anything in the market right now. I'm like, since what used to be the most laughable product. And, uh, you know, it still blows my mind that they're part of the part of that conversation. I don't know, man. Microsoft is like kind of trusting a bookstore to your servers, right? It's kind of like the same thing. They're a software vendor. They're there to sell software. And, um, you know, I, some of the stuff like with the Hafnium exchange breaches uh, a few days ago or a few years ago, like two years ago, and just some of the some of the stuff that's happening with them is just kind of terrifying. You know, like everyone's like cool with like two day Azure outages and, you know, like, uh, you know, oh, this uh, this region is having a problem and it's not really a systems or a software issue. It's actually because they were like, you know, DDoSed off the planet, <laughs> right, by like some hacker group. And uh, it's like, come on, man, like Microsoft, like you guys have like uh, more money than God, like fix this problem, like take this seriously and um good thing though defender's gotten better yeah so. yeah well it's it's funny the conversations we're having now that customers want to go multi-cloud not mm-hmm. for not because of to optimize optimize workloads which you would think but for redundancy because if one goes down they wanted to use the other cloud as a failover and you know to me again you know the the, should, the way the way it's architected this shouldn't happen but it's it's a thing yeah and being a private cloud provider um that's like the primary like core business next to desktop as a service is like providing those uh, th- those core ingredients for for hosting and managing uh, an enterprise environment. Um, when people set up these uh, on-premise systems and uh, public cloud, and we're kind of like that like sweet spot in the middle, and um, I think that a multi-cloud strategy is important, right? Put the workload where it belongs yep. and, um, you know, being able to fail over. Like so many people are like, oh yeah, I'm in, um, you know, I'm, I'm using 0365. Oh yeah, well, you know, can you go back more than 14 days? Like do you have a backup of your mailbox? Or how about Susie Bad Girl who like left your company six months ago with all your data? Can you get her mailbox? I'm like, nope. You know, I don't have that. I don't have anything. Yeah. So there's like this assumption that Microsoft and um, and uh, and Amazon are like, you know, they're taking care of things, and really they're just ensuring that that console loads up where you can manage your own servers. And um, part of the niche that we do um, at UBX Cloud is provide that infrastructure for. Uh, it's a platform, right? It's it's not just like, hey, you know, we're just not servers for rent. We're we're experts that come with the servers. And we care about your data and we care about your cybersecurity. And we care about Susie ransacking all your data and making a ton of money off your business. Um, and uh, so many people are like, oh, well, I, I take snapshots of all my VMs. I'm like, dude, snapshots on a backup. <laughs> like, this, like, that's not going to help you, right? So um, our business has evolved. I mean, um, as the, you know, I, like I said, we make backups cool. That was like one of the things that I mentioned I don't, earlier. I don't buy it. All right. Um, I don't buy it. You got to go. You got to elaborate on that. I'll I'll elaborate. So um, uh, one of our core deliverables is um, uh, is backup as a service uh, using Veeam technologies. So UBX Cloud was like one of the first Veeam service providers. We were the first six um, that built the service provider infrastructure for their product and actually knocked those Russians in the back of their heads and said, okay, um, you know, fix this, move that, change that, expand that. Can't do that can't run SMB over the public internet, um, you know, get these things up and running. And, um, and uh, we were able to uh, extend the software uh, into our service provider environment and provide 
really cool services along that, along with that. So anyone on the planet who's using Veeam software right now can hook into our um, our, our backup as a service, our, our service provider cloud, and do some really cool things that you know that's not even uh, really known, right? I mean, it's not just sending us your backups, but um, you can log into the console and type, type in three pieces of information, and all of a sudden your data is protected, and you've got experts on our side that are there to like you know care and feed that data and check that data and make sure it's it's healthy and the chains are healthy and. All we were like fanatics. We're like, okay, we got 15 virtual machines here. You know, are these still a part of your, uh, your, uh, your? Are, are these still in production? Right? Are these still valid for recovery? Um, are we missing any VMs? Are we missing any physical servers? Do you have like some old mainframe in the background that no one knows about? Um, these are the the kind of stuff that that you know we do these like Columbo type uh, investigations when it comes to customers' environments, and uh, we make sure that we're, you know grabbing that data on-premise and public cloud anywhere, mailbox data, and we're, we're, we're keeping it and we're managing it. And um, as our relationships have grown and the technologies have grown, our expertise has grown along with it. Like we used to just sell our service as a consumption service to manage service providers where we're just saying, here's your offsite repository, send us your, your data. Now we're like, okay, well, um, you know, we're, we're taking a look and saying, okay, well, your, you know, your, your vCenter environment's not healthy or your DNS isn't healthy, or this zone isn't working properly, or, you know, you've got some problems here. So we are more proactive in the sense that we would fix these things because we ended up being more specialized in these areas than they were. And, um, over time we just started incorporating, um, those kinds of, um, those additions into our service and just still charging the per terabyte model that we do right now. So, you know, if you're buying a terabyte of backup for, for us, for, for your Veeam environment, um, we're, you're going to get our expertise to help you with that. Like not only on the actual making sure that your stuff works locally or uh, in, in your other multi-cloud environment, but to actually um, assist you when there's a recovery. Um, and we need to like recover that exchange server, you know, or, or, or um, recover that Active Directory server when you've got people on the other end of that recovery not understanding how any of that stuff works. Right. So we're there to help you during the half DM incident. Um, we had like, I don't know, 60 plus Microsoft exchange servers get hacked. Um, our MSP partners were freaking out and they were calling us. Um, so Microsoft had a, an exploit and, um, they were, um, the threat actors were encrypting, um, not only were they encrypting the exchange servers, but they were like leaving backdoors and all the lateral servers in the environment. And, um, you know, we have a, a large customer base, uh, even back then, uh, you know, it was like 200 plus MSPs. And all of a sudden, you never anticipate that that many of your customers are going to be calling you, you know, especially when you're running a business like ours, where it's like, hey, we might do like two or three DR tests a, a month, you know, or recoveries. And all of a sudden, everyone's calling us all at the same time, like what's going on. And um, on the Hafnium side, um, we had to like, we had to do surgery on these exchange servers for so many of these customers. Um, so we had to, we had to surgically remove the databases and then um, re uh, instate a backup from whenever the, uh, the infiltration happened in their environment. And then we would stitch them back together and then recover them. So when I say that we make backups cool, I mean, like we're like a cloud hospital and we're, we're having to, you know, perform surgery on whatever patient walks in and we're using their backup data as the, as the base of all the things that we're doing. And, um, it was nuts. I mean, I, I lost like a ton of hair during that period. I was like, like chunks of my hair were like falling out and like our whole team was like overworked, but we saved a ton, um, saved a ton of customers and, um, 
there's always these like major cybersecurity incidences that like we're, we get involved in and all of a sudden we're like the only person in the room that like can handle it um, because of our expertise on, on kind of managing some of these critical systems. Um, you know, large uh, municipality goes offline, right? Public services out, police out, fire, EMS, everything out. And then we get the call, right? They're just a backup or a DR customer of ours. And then all of a sudden, we uh, the, the incident response team is like, hey, you guys are pretty good and you know this. Move this stuff here. Take care of this. Take care of that. And um, we come in and we, you know, we basically do all the, it's, it's like coal mine, right? It's like, it's like working in a coal mine. It's like really hard, arduous work. But because UBX spends a lot of its time moving these environments, you know, from on-premise to our private cloud or from uh, public cloud, to our private cloud or vice versa, we have experience in lifting and shifting all these like enterprise systems um, that people just, you know, you may work at a company for 20 years and know your software, but do you know how to move it from one site to another? Mm -hmm. Right. And you may have like 50, 60 applications and and data all over the planet. So that's kind of where we're specialized uh, heavily in this area. And um, we've done some really cool stuff and made backup school. We've actually used Veeam as a way um, uh, there was a, um, a bare metal uh, uh, cloud provider. They had about 150,000 servers and they gave their customers 16 days to evacuate their data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, uh, they went chapter, I think um, chapter, mm, chapter seven, there was no renegotiation of their debt or anything. It was just like, we're done. We're out. Um, so we, we said, okay, we had a process in place for intaking all those customers. And then we were, they had 16 days to get their data out of their environment. You know, so we, uh, we, we, we migrated terabytes of data from failing storage fabrics, right? Um, the, the company, the, the company literally like just closed, right? So there was like the, 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 the managers all said, everyone go home, you know, you're all fired. We're closing our doors. And we sent notice to all of our customers. Um, they had some like cobble together software defined storage platform that needed to be uh, managed because it was like an, an in-house uh, solution. And uh, the storage fabric of this environment was like falling apart. Like uh, LUNs were like going into read-only mode and then crashing, and uh, customers' vCenter's environment were like were like failing, and we had people, you know, we had people trying to like hit my whole businesses here, like get this out of here, right? And um, we used Veeam exclusively to lift and shift all these environments, and um, and uh, we even did like physical to virtual conversions uh, over the uh, through the over the cloud on the fly. So we would like did a. a, a physical to virtual conversion while we were actually, um, uh, you know, ingesting the data into our cloud repositories and then restoring them. It was just nuts. It was 16 days of just crazy. And uh, by the time we were done, it was like, we didn't have a single bit of lost data, not one gigabyte of lost data. Um, We had one that actually, when it was all over, we had one that um, uh, the virtual machine name was like, there was two iterations of the VM and like one had like an underscore at the end of the name. Right. Mm. And, uh, and, and the guy's like, I need the one with the underscore. Right. And I'm like, I got it right here. Right. Like we, it was nuts. It was, we were moving blade servers and Cisco UCS chassis from one data center to another to uh, account for the capacity that we were onboarding so fast. Jeez. Yeah. It was with a top gun of cloud, man. All right. So <laughs> I, was uh, crazy. I, I said it was BS. I rescind that statement. You made backup 99% <clears throat> cool. I'll give you, I'll give you that stamp of approval. No, right. so that was always, you know, I always stayed, 
I was always around backup, but I never was immersed in it. I always did other things. You know, I was either I, I worked for Cisco. You know what I mean? I sold blade servers. You know what I mean? We never sold storage. Um, but no, I it's, love it's our good. Cisco UCS. It's a great story. See, they had a, they had a rough couple of years, and then they uh, they they write they righted the ship. They had there, there were a couple of them where uh, the first couple of years when they launched it was it was rough. Yeah, we we got in we got in with Pure Storage um, and Cisco. Uh, and and we set up their flash stack platform before they had a flash stack platform, mm-hmm. like before they validated it. We were actually uh, Pure Storage's first customer uh, when they were um, they were only like five or six people there, Jeez. and uh, we needed something fast and performant for our VDIs for our, our desktop as a service because all the EMC and HP stuff that we were using was just not able to handle it at all. They built an absolute religion. It's very difficult in this business. To Cisco did it. Uh, I think Pure did it. There's a few companies that have done it, um, where they're just the, the users of it just are, are will fight to the death. Um, <laughs> I, I've never the Pure people are, are as you know they're they're about as dedicated to that product as I've ever seen. It, it, I mean, I we've had a hundred percent uptime on since we moved our storage fabric to Pure. I mean, seriously, it's been it's been amazing. It's not don't ever, cheap. yeah, knock on wood. Don't ever say that out loud to anyone else. Besides, yeah, yeah. Just, just say it on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's been. I mean, we have we have their their flash tech pods all over the planet, you know. And it's mm. like, uh, I it, it's we we've we've looked at it, you know. When they went public, it was a little shaky, and um, you know, but we still, um, you know, we 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 still like kind of uh, uh, had our faith in them, and and it's it's been a, a very fruitful relationship. Um, that was a great conversation I had at a networking event. He's like, "Yeah, I work in this data center. We got a hundred percent uptime." I'm like, "What have you been? Have you been open for two hours? Like, <laughs> who, who talked?" Well, about? I like to say, like, you know, um, on the infrastructure, right? Uh, I know, so, I know. I'm just, on, I'm on, just the, on the app side. It's like, no, no <laughs> <way>. <laughs> it's not going to happen. No, I'm just messing um, with you. Um, yeah. And then uh, I had to get into the gaming side. If you've been around as long as me, I I told you I got. There's two games that I will still play. I'll play to the end of time, which is uh, Age of Empires and Diablo. And uh, I did not pull the trigger on Diablo Four. It's 119 bucks, and it's on it's on the Xbox, which I don't. I feel like you got to buy it on the PC or don't do it at all. Um, have you have you gotten into the new one? Or are you still uh, on Diablo Two? I uh, I downloaded it. I played it for like two seconds, and then my kids started crying or something, so I had to yeah. stop what I was doing. But um, I've been I've been I've been a I've been a, a diehard Diablo two fan since it came out. Well, actually, all the Diablos, but that was my favorite. And D two um, Resurrected is is incredible. Um, I almost didn't graduate college because of because of Diablo because I would like skip school and like play that game all the time. So I'll never forget my father just standing over me screaming. In half German, half English, because I would—I think, think I was on like a eight-hour, eight nine-hour, just head down in the laptop, back all hunched over. I'm amazed I don't have back problems um, playing Diablo two. Then you know what happens is you, you you hold off, you hold off, and then you finally get the cheat codes, and then it ruins the game, and then you can never play it the same again. Um, Age of Empires, I, I need to start. I don't even play it clean anymore. It's got to be. I start with. <laughs> I don't play it clean. Anymore. I yeah, I know. I don't have the time for it. You know. Um, is it still Microsoft? Because it was Microsoft when I played it. It was it was their product. I think it still is Age of Empires. Yeah, yeah, it still is. Or yeah, I don't. To be honest, I don't know. I, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to look. Um, but hey, it's super cool story. I'm shocked we've never met up for a beer all this time that we've basically been working next door to each other I know. kind of in tandem on the same industry but uh i look forward to uh 
getting together with you now, now that we know each other, but, uh, uh, I appreciate you hanging out with us. Steve Panofsky, CEO, UBX Cloud. Check them out. Definitely a super cool story, super cool company. Uh, we're going to wrap things up for this episode of the IT and the D Show. On behalf of Bob and Sick Randy, do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it. <laughs>